peace. I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands. I lift up my hands to the Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. I love you. Singing, I love you, Lord. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, we hear three different stories with about the same kind of message behind them. We have three different parables that Jesus talks about. It's the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then uh, the parable of the lost son, also known as the prodigal. So we're going to look at uh, his third one he has here, which starts in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, which of the uh, first two... Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your, re- your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept through the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him any. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost but now he is found. So the party began. Then it continues on about um, the older son. And the point I want to get to today, um, I've done sermons that, that focus on the dad, and I've seen um, the ones that have focused on the son. But when it starts talking about the older son, um, 
in verse 28, it says, The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing. You told me to. And in all the time, you never, even, never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I listened to um, a preacher a couple weeks ago that was preaching on this. Can't tell you who it was. It was on the radio and just happened to go buy it. But he's talking about the older son. And the older son complains to dad that, hey, I have been here. I've done what you wanted. You know, I haven't left and taken your money and thrown it all over the place. And yet you have not given me the same thing that you have given my younger brother who's here now. And his father tells him, everything that I have is yours. Anything you ask for will be given to you. This is the same thing we have with God. We are one in a family of God. And when we are constantly with God, if we are in that relationship with God, we have everything we need. We have everything given to us. It's also our receptive or reception of it. So we don't need to go and squander all our money and, and then come back and ask for forgiveness because we are already part of it. But it happens. It does happen. The younger son took what he, what he received from his father and went and threw it around. But the point I want to make here is, is verse 20 puts a little more emphasis on the younger son. So, so the older son is, is complaining about not getting what he feels he deserves, and yet he already has so much. Because what God has, we have. What his father has is his as well. But verse 20, I want to focus a little in on, uh, on the younger son, but also how we are viewed in the sight of God. So when he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. I want you to picture that. Picture you coming down the road. You've already thrown away all your dad had. You squandered his money. You've been in a faraway place. You have nothing to come home to or nothing to bring home. So I figure... The son is probably walking real slow, heads down, just kind of looking at, the, looking at the ground, not really thinking about much other than, no, oh, dad's going to just go at me. This is what you've done. Now you want all of this. Uh -uh. But as he's walking down, my, my picture is the father is standing, and he sees his son, and he makes the first move. He doesn't stand there and wait for his son to come. He comes down the middle and his dad sees him. His eyes glow, his face, big old smile, and he just, he runs to him. Now, they didn't run. <laughs> he, was, he was the type of person that 
you would come to him. You know, he would not make that move because he, he, he led a family. He, he had servants. He was someone who others would run towards to receive. But that's not the way it, it goes. His son starts to come at him. And he sees him. He sees him before his son sees him. And he starts to make his way. And he runs at him. And he throws his arms around him, gives him a kiss, and then tells his servants, this is what he needs, this is what we're going to do. He embraces him with a love that no one can understand, because especially his older son. Why are you doing this for him? He's done nothing but give away. Why should you receive him and forgive him? Well, the thing is, God does the same thing for us. God has already made that first step towards us. So even before we have a, a relationship or, a, or an image of who God is, while we are still a far away, away place where no vision of God is in sight, he is already running towards us. It says, I do not know a sweeter or a more consoling scripture anywhere than just this. When he was yet a great way off, for what grace is in that, what encouragement, what hope, what comfort, what life from the death is in that. Blessed be the lips that told this whole incomparable story and added to these words of gold a great way off. This is not a couple feet, maybe even a couple yards. This is probably full-length football field or even farther. My image of the, of the father is, um, who has seen Aquaman? We just went and saw that. Uh, really good. No, we're not going to talk about Jason Momoa. Leave it alone. That's another sermon. Um, but there's a part in there where it talks about um, when he loses his wife, he goes out to the end of the pier every day at sunrise. And every day he waits for her. I picture dad doing this. Every day he walks out of his house and he looks and he waits and he waits and he waits. Not days, not months, but probably years on end. And he waits until he sees his son in the distance and his heart rejoices. And what does he do? He runs. He doesn't stand and wait. He doesn't start walking. He runs. He wants to get to him as quick as he can. He runs to his son. He throws his arms around him and he forgives him. In verse 7, in the first parable here, It says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and not strayed. 
We have all, we are all in church, okay? Many of us have been in church our entire lives. Many are new. We talked yesterday about being the crowd, the consistent. Some of us are the core. Some of us are just committed. And I believe yesterday we talked about some of, them, some of us being committed. I believe Trish brought that up. <laughs> but we are all within a, a group of, of God-fearing individuals but God rejoices over the person that is outside of this building coming to know him than any one of us staying on that path. It's kind of hard to, hard to fathom because, well, shouldn't God love me more? I've been here forever. Well, God loves us all the same, but it's when that one person comes inside of God and he runs towards them, that is where the love of God is. We are already in a, in a relationship with God. For a person to repent and say, I have done wrong, I ask for your forgiveness, God runs, puts a new life in us, puts a new garment on us. He tells us we are forgiven. He wraps his arms around us and he blesses us with a kiss. So where are we in our lives? I don't know. We're very different. Are we the older son that has been faithful to God? Are we the older son who has been faithful to his service? That we don't ask for anything, but it is all still given? Or have we become the younger son who has, who has taken our wealth, what God has given to us, what we have been blessed with, and we've just thrown it away? Are we in the distance waiting for God to see us? Or are we already in his sight and he's making his way towards us? I want you to picture that again. His son isn't seeing him. His, his son, to me, has his head down and he's not looking for his father. I picture him making his way up to the house and that is where he'll find dad. But he's down the road. Dad's standing at the end of a pier. Dad is, Dad is standing on his ground waiting for his son. And when that little speck he sees in the distance, he makes his way. He makes the first move. God has already made a first move in our lives, and that move was the sacrifice of his son. He created us. We squandered perfection away. We no longer know what Eden held because we can't be there. There, there is no more perfection in the human life because we are born into sin. But every time one person comes in the vision of who God is and what God sees, he begins to make an attempt that attempt was with Christ. And now God can come to us, and we can come to God, and he will wrap his arms around your neck, he will kiss you, he will give you the biggest ring, he will put you on the best robe, he will send you to the house to clean up, and he will make you the best meal ever. 
That's the kind of God I want. But he makes that attempt. He makes that one step, that one stride. You get somewhere a lot sooner running than you do walking. But heaven rejoices when one sinner repents than when the 99 stay the way. If we can find one person to bring to Christ, heaven will rejoice. If we can have one person come into our church and recognize who, who we are as a church, we talked about that yesterday. My first thought was loving. In the year and a half that I've been here, I have felt, we have felt very loved and connected and welcomed. People notice that. People see your faces when we sit in church. People recognize how we act. If that can bring one person into the view of God, he'll go running. And I see God running faster than the flash. Fast, quick. God has run after us. Even while we were still sinners, Jesus was taken to the cross and sacrificed. God loves us. And God loves that next person who is a sinner, who wants nothing to do with God, who could care less about church or even his grace. But it has already been given. Now is the acceptance. So when God runs after us, throws his arms around us, gives us a kiss, when somebody asks for a hug, what do you usually do? You embrace as well. That is my picture. Some people should embrace. Others don't like to be touched. But you embrace as well. That is what God is looking for. An embrace from us to him. So I want you to think this week on those words. As you were still far away or a ways away. Before you even had a sight on who God was, God already had you in sight. And he runs to us daily. And we embrace him as he embraces us. Because when one sinner comes to know God, heaven rejoices. One. God would have sacrificed his son for one of us. Let us pray. Father, I am so thankful that we have your word. That we have these stories that you, you told to the people at your time that they would uh, embrace the meaning behind them. God, we are so thankful to have a Savior that when we are in the distance far off and far away, we are in sight of who you are. And it is at that point that you come running towards us. 
when we have thrown everything away, when we are, have hit rock bottom, when we are no longer worthy or feel that we are unworthy, you run to us. You embrace us. You forgive us and we feast. Lord, when we come to you, heaven rejoices. When a sinner repents, you rejoice. God, let our church be that. That we have opened arms to those who have no idea who you are. For those who are suffering, the sinners within the church and the sinners outside the church. We daily come to you and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, let us seek you as you seek us. Let us lift our heads and run towards you. As you make that first step, may we take a step with you. And God, you are always with us. As the oldest son with his father, we are given everything that is yours. We have all that we need and then so much more. So Lord, may we see that, that when we are in the midst of your love, there's nothing that we can't do. And we are given so much. We thank you, Lord, for the understanding of who you are, for your word for us, for your love, your grace, your mercy. And we give you the thanks. In all that we say and we do, may we praise you. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Greg. I love that image of a God who comes after us, a God who reaches out in love to embrace us. But we do have to embrace him back. We do have to receive the love that he offers. Last week, we were blessed to have a young man. He was 13 years old. He came forward and said, I want to know Christ as my Savior. Perhaps there's someone here this morning who is ready to do the same. As God is reaching out in love to you, you're ready to embrace him back. During this time of invitation, I invite you to come. It would be my joy to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple confession of faith that says, I, I accept your love. I believe in Christ as my Lord and Savior. Let's stand together. And let's sing hymn number 292, verses 1 and 3.
from you. 